0: to understand more about your word Uh, give us wisdom Uh, give us understanding you're our father and you said if we ask things in your name in the name of Jesus Christ that you'll provide for us and you'll give them to us so we ask thank you Lord in Jesus name in uh, 1st Timothy 6 uh, 17 to 21 we have charged them that are rich in the world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, Avoid profane and vain babblings, and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. As you know, there are many earthly riches. We have money, precious metals, cars, stocks, etc. And I think in Canada we have so much compared to many places around the world Uh, and there are some in Canada that don't have very much as well but I think generally we are quite rich compared to many so this passage Timothy's told to charge the rich with some instructions I think really also apply to us Just because you have blessings and have wealth doesn't mean it's a bad thing. There are many, many in the Bible who had a lot of wealth that God gave them, a lot of um, amazing resources, and they did well with them. So riches themselves are not a bad thing. But how do we behave if we have riches? If you recall... Uh, from the passage that was read, Jesus spoke with the rich young ruler who boasted of his righteous deeds, but lacked the willingness to share his blessings to those who have great need. Jesus told his disciples that it is hard for the rich of this world to place their faith in God rather than in their own wealth. Jesus also told his disciples that they cannot serve two masters, Everyone must choose whether to serve God or their own riches. Riches can often become idols, which are worshipped when faith is applied to them. If you put faith in riches, you're committing idolatry. You're putting something else before the Lord. Do we do that? I think it happens even on a small scale. We get fixated on some things we uh really want something uh and sometimes we just shop to look we want we want to what's what can i get what's on marketplace today sometimes that becomes idolatry even in the small we should be careful with that there were some instructions that uh paul gave to timothy for the rich so let's take a look at those he says that they be not high-minded, that nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. That they do good, that they be rich in good works and ready to distribute, and be willing to communicate. There, here in this uh, passage of Second uh, Timothy three seventeen, there are there are nineteen bad behaviors listed. One of them is high-minded. I won't read every passage that I'm putting up, but you can see them there as we go through them. Um, We're told to turn away from those who continue down this road. Paul was also telling Timothy to warn the rich in the church to avoid becoming like this. So high-mindedness sets us apart from others. It is a form of of self-idolatry. And it is certainly not loving our neighbors and loving those around us when we think ourselves higher than others. Solomon in Proverbs prophesied against a generation that's coming in the last days, that they would be lofty, the high-minded, that they would look down on others. Isaiah also predicted the same thing in the last days. Don't trust in riches. Remember the rich man and Lazarus from Luke sixteen, nineteen to thirty one. Uh, the, the rich man he was lavish, he wore expensive clothing, uh, he ate like a king. But when he was dead, he was naked and ashamed, he was thirsty, and he couldn't be satisfied. So in the temporary, he had what he wanted, but in eternity he had nothing. He was destitute and suffering in hell while watching those who enjoyed eternal pleasures across the chasm. The rich man placed his trust in the earthly riches, and in the end he lost everything, including his life. Lazarus Lazarus, as a poor beggar, um, he had to trust in the grace of others. And I think evidently from the, the outcome of the story, he certainly put his trust in the Lord. His faith was counted as righteousness and afforded him eternal life. Remember, faith is counted as righteousness. To do well or to do good. All of us are created for God's good pleasure. And though we have sinned and fallen short of his glory, it is by his grace that we can be saved. Through faith in him, Jesus makes us new creatures and gives us a purpose, gives us purpose. That purpose is to do good works for his glory. We have been saved by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ because of God's kindness towards us. Doing good works is our response to that kindness, that grace that God has given us. Oops. Now, there are a lot of things and more exhaustive than what I have noted here. I, I just, I'm i trying to capture a few things that are to do good. Because we could serve ourselves, but that's not good. The Bible says to love thy neighbor as thyself, to love your enemies, to honor all men to seek peace and pursue it, to be not contentious, to depart from or put away evil, to speak truth, refrain your tongue from evil, save life, trust in the Lord, feed the hungry, clothe the naked and visit the lonely, be willing and obedient and be not entertained by the sin of others. For that one, I have to put a point down. How often do we watch our screens and watch other people doing sinful acts and we get entertained by it? I was thinking, I'm going to divert for a second. I was thinking about the last song we sung, I Surrender All, and thinking, we say that in the song, but do we really mean it? How often do we surrender in the moment and then when church is over, we take right back up those things we just surrendered. We're to be slow to anger, to forgive those who harm you, to hate evil, care for your animals, not eat blood or things that are strangled, to be satisfied with what we have, to have our steps ordered by the Lord, to seek God's favor and to fear him, to abstain from idolatry and the byproducts of idolatry, to keep ourselves from fornication uh, in mind and in deed. We're to be impartial and equitable, and we are to stand by the things we say. Let our yea be yea and our nay be nay. We're we're told to distribute to others. Sharing is caring. That's what my wife always taught our kids. Sharing is caring. The rich young ruler was told by Jesus to distribute his wealth to the poor. This is something that must be done willingly, willingly and not be, ob- be an obligation. However, it, does not, it doesn't do anybody good when some have a blow bank account and uh, others have nothing. Communism forces the distribution of wealth and lays claim to possessions of all. This is not a biblical model. Caring for others as God has blessed us is the way we are instructed to love others. Selflessness rather than selfishness uh when the state takes your wealth and distributes it you're resentful when you willingly give your wealth to care for others you're joyful if god has blessed you with so much and there are so many others that don't have much it's your responsibility and should be your joy to share with others in 1 corinthians 16:14 says let your things be done with charity. And, and we see charity coming up all through the scriptures. Charity and care. They're the same word, essentially. Charity, care. Feed the flock. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. It's our job to go out and care for those within the means that we have. Communicate. Why did Paul tell Timothy to charge the rich to communicate, to be willing to communicate? Because I think what he was telling them to to communicate is the gospel. Tell the rich of this world to be willing to communicate the gospel of the kingdom of God, spread the good news. True lasting satisfaction will come from sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Anything else is temporary satisfaction. We buy something, it feels good. We get to play with toys. We get to drive the cars we like. We get to wear the clothes we like, but it's all temporary. And it's also prone to break down. I spent much of yesterday replacing the radiator in my truck. And and I still got to do all the brakes and a whole bunch more. All these nice things that we have, they're temporary and they don't provide satisfaction. But when you share the gospel with somebody and they give their lives to Jesus Christ, wow, is that ever satisfying to see. And humbling, because God worked through you to do that. Jesus, the son of God, was incarnated as a human baby. This is the start of the gospel message. Sorry, I'm having a little technical problem here. Hang on. There we go. I'm just going to go through the points of the gospel because sometimes we just need to be reminded how to communicate the gospel well. Jesus was tempted just like us, but did not sin. We need to repent. We need to tell others that they need to repent of their sins. The sins that they have committed against the almighty God that they have provoked his wrath upon themselves because of their sins. All have sinned and deserve death. Why? Because we have a holy God who is perfect and pure, who created a perfect and pure world that because of sin was tarnished. Because of our own sin, from our own nature, we are separated from God. We have sinned against that holy God, and the only recourse is punishment, which is hell. The wages of sin is death. Most of us, we all know the verses, the Romans wrote verses that we like to to quote. Remember that God has to punish sin because he's holy. And if you've sinned, which we all have, you deserve punishment. And... This is a necessary part of the gospel message. We cannot take this away and just say, there's a God shaped hole in your heart and God will fill it. That is not the gospel message. You must tell others they have sinned and sinned against that Holy God and deserve God's wrath. But God who's rich in mercy sent his son to die for them. Let's continue on with the points. Jesus when he came, he preached the kingdom. He preached that the kingdom of God was at hand. He, he called everybody to pay attention. I'm here to save. Jesus bore our punishment and paid the price each of us owed for our sins. He's our redeemer. And sometimes we forget what to redeem means. He bought and paid for our punishment. He's like a coupon that says you can get out of jail free. You get out of paying for that punishment yourself free. He's, it's like when you redeem the coupon, he's the redeemer. Jesus died for us. He didn't just die. He was beaten, tortured, punched, crown of thorns on his head. His beard was ripped off and he went to the cross for us and suffered on the cross. He took every every punch and every hurt and whip and and the cross because we deserved it all. Jesus is God. He's and he is the son of God. God sent his son, his own begotten only begotten son his own precious son to die for us so this is not a man only a man he is a man but he is not only a man god sent his own son to pay the price that each human sinful human deserved to have his blood washes us clean from sin remember in isaiah it said uh, and Isaiah one eighteen, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow; though they be red like scarlet, they shall be as wool. God loved the world so much that He sent His Son to die for them. In spite of the fact that His wrath is upon everyone in the world, God sent His Son that He would that that all men might be saved. Jesus was buried in the heart of the earth for 3 days. Jesus went to hell but couldn't stay there because Jesus is God. He overcame it. Acts 231. He seeing before spake of the resurrection of Christ that a soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. He couldn't stay there because he is more powerful than death, more powerful than hell. He is the Son of God. And Jesus was resurrected. And he was resurrected into life so that we can also be resurrected into life with him. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. He ascended into heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of the Father. He is preparing a place for us. He said, I go prepare a place for you, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And Jesus is coming back to get us. The same Jesus which was taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now that is good news. That God's wrath was upon all of us. But in spite of that, he sent his son to the world to die for us, to resurrect again, defeating death so that we can be resurrected with him. And he's going to come back and get us and take us out of this filthy, awful world full of sin full of um, hate and malice not only that, Jesus is going to defeat our enemies he is going to do that by his words like a sword coming out of his mouth he's going to defeat the enemies the last enemy is death and he's defeated that as well and he's going to create a new heaven and a new earth so that there's no more corruption and no more hate and malice and uh, all the sinful things in this world are going to just be gone. And you can be free from sin. And we need to tell others that they can be free from sin. Now being made free from sin and become servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and everlasting life. We need to, as the rich in this world, we need to make an effort to not provide all the things we want for ourselves, but to take the time, take the resources God's given us and promote the gospel and communicate the gospel to those around us in this lost world. We need to tell them that it's time to repent right now. It's time right now. I think about the people that I work with, uh, people that I know, family members that don't know the Lord, and sometimes I get in the rut where I think maybe there's time to tell them later. Um, you know, maybe today wasn't the right day to tell them. And those are lies, because right now is the time to tell them. We don't know if they will get a car accident or have a heart attack or a stroke. We don't know. Um, what can happen? They need to know right now. Um, anytime I hear of a death, some, uh, not every time I hear of a death, but I just heard of a death this morning and I thought, I wonder if you knew the gospel. I wonder if anybody told him. And I didn't know the person, so I don't know how to tell him, but it makes me think those around us that we have opportunity to tell, we need to tell. gospel. We need to tell them that it's time to repent now, that they should not wait, that they need to address their sins with the Lord and and turn away from them. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said it then. It is at hand, and Jesus is coming back soon. There's not a lot of time left. And the gospel, just as a reminder, is for everyone. Not everyone will Repent and trust in the Lord. That's true. Although we hope that everyone we know will. We have to hope that. The gospel is for everyone. Jesus came to, to the world to die for the whole world. Not for a select few. Not for a special few. He came for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life the world he came for everyone don't reject the gospel we need to tell them not to reject the gospel because if someone says yes that's a nice story i'm not interested remind them that if they reject the the gospel and they reject jesus christ they are facing punishment in eternity. Hopefully, going through the gospel points helps to remind you of the necessity of sharing the gospel and hopefully reminds you of the points to discuss as you go through the gospel. Never neglect the discussion of repentance and sin. When you tell about the good news of Jesus Christ, you cannot just try and tempt somebody with all the good things. You need to tell them about the wrath and the consequences of sin if they don't. Fear is a good thing if it's used rightly. And if someone is fearful of the consequences of their actions, they will turn from that. If you're fearful of about falling off the edge of a cliff, you will step back away from the cliff. And that's a, a right use of fear. Not to manipulate, but to, sh- to show that if you go too close to the edge, you could fall off. That's responsible. That's why we have warning signs in this world. Caution, warning, danger. So we need to put those signs up and tell people, about that don't neglect the warning okay now rich people need to focus on heavenly things to set their eyes on things above laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come faith is built upon christ The foundation of God standeth sure having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We need to lay a foundation in our lives that is eternal. And who is that foundation? But it's on Jesus, the chief cornerstone and the scriptures and the apostles and the prophets who came before us and 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 trusting in the lord lays up a good foundation of things to come everything we have around us is going to fall apart it's actually going to be destroyed one day it's all temporary so we need to focus on on what is eternal what is true Faith is built upon Christ. Remember the man who built his house on the sand? It didn't endure when the rains came, when trouble came. It didn't endure. Because it's like the rich man who trusts in his riches. He builds his house in the sand. And when it erodes away, he's got nothing. His whole house is gone. His whole life is gone. But if we build our house on the rock, who's Jesus Christ, we have an eternal foundation and our our lives will last eternally our home will last forever build your house on jesus christ i i love how jesus is the rock and throughout the scriptures he's constantly referred to as the rock in deuteronomy he is the rock his work is perfect for all his ways are judgment a god of truth and without iniquity Just and right is he. Notice the rock is even capitalized. That is our Lord Jesus Christ, the rock. God is our reward. He is our protection. He is our salvation. He is everything we ought to strive for. So not looking for these temporary things, but looking towards the kingdom of God, looking towards spending our lives in worship and in joy of Christ. Paul told Timothy that they should lay themselves a foundation against uh, the time to come that they may hold on to eternal life. And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The rich man was asking, what can I do to lay hold on eternal life? And when he realized that what Jesus told him was, you need to sell all your temporary stuff and give it to the poor, he he could not release that. He trusted in his riches. He idolized his riches. And he was really not willing to pay that price for eternal life. He really was looking for temporary life, an exquisite, wonderful, temporary life. Probably heard of Joel Olstein before. He wrote a book called your best life now I'm telling you the last thing you want in this world is your best life now you want your best life in eternity so stop worrying so much about your best life now and worry about your best life forever lay up foundations and lay hold of eternal life not for temporary life and we can so easily get caught up with so many things I'm guilty all the time Remember, our mandate is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and strength and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Nothing about temporary in those two commandments. Paul also reminded Timothy to keep that which is committed to his trust. What were those things that Timothy had? Did he carry along with him a Corvette and a nice house and all these things, or, or had Timothy forsaken those things and, and been given tools and um, spiritual gifts? I believe that's the case. I believe that Paul is admonishing Timothy to use his gifts, to use the resources he has to further the kingdom of God. And so i reminded that in James, we're told that every good and perfect gift is from above and it cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And once upon a time, I, w- I used to read Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs, so you can actually read a chapter every day and then just keep going over and over and over again. So I think for about seven years, I did that straight, which is a lot of reading. It's like 84 times to read the book of Proverbs, which is very, very helpful. Uh, and you can get a lot of wisdom from that. And so I think back to one time um, or to, to one verse, I should say, that uh, always kind of bounces around in my mind. is, withhold not good from them to whom it is due when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. So if you have the resources now to bless others, don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Don't put it off till tomorrow. Use them now. Um, it, Jesus talked about the man who tore down his barns to build bigger barns to store more stuff. And it's all temporary and it, it all got destroyed and it, it meant nothing to him. He he ended up dying and it, it was useless. So so why do we want to build up bigger barns or have bigger stocks or a, a better retirement plan or all these things when we can use those resources now to further the kingdom of God to see men, women, and children saved right now. Well, he's told to avoid profane and va- vain babblings. Profanity is disc- is just disc- Uh God made it clear not to profane his name or his temple. Profane is uh, desecration or Adding to God's plan or taking away from God's plan, God's words, his scriptures, adding our own t- uh, traditional ideas. When we're confronted by those who try to bring upon us Jewish traditions uh, such a, and make them like commandments, we must reject them. This is just an example, and there are so many, but there are so many little sneaky things coming to the church. And and um, uh, Hebrew roots is one of them, and they bring in these little Jewish traditions. And remember, Jesus confronted those ideas. He said, why do you transgress the commandments of God by your tradition? There's these little little ideas that come in to... uh, Jewish Kabbalism, Jewish mysticism gets snuck into some of the churches. Let's go back to our scriptures and and read them for what they are and don't let the other things sneak in. And I, I think there are just so many examples. We we kind of invent our own ideas of what God is. A real dear friend of mine, he would come to me and he's, uh, on many occasions, and I, I I tried to explain to him differently, but he would tell me he felt that the Holy Spirit was actually female and that it was when God and the Holy Spirit came together, they produced the Son, Jesus Christ. And I said, that is not biblical. And this is an idea that he kept coming back to and kept coming back to. Him. And I said, it's not in the scriptures. So don't come up with these things. Don't add them. I mean, it, it's it's a heresy. It's profanity. It's, a, it's these little stories that come in. Let's keep pure to the gospel. Let's go back to the scriptures, what it says. And anything that we decide has to come out of what the scriptures say. And that that's what I wanted to share this morning. Uh, I think that the heart of it all for me was trying to convey the gospel message or the points that are important in the gospel. And uh, regardless of whether you're you feel like you're rich or you're poor, All of these points are really important for us. You could be poor and get high-minded. And um, you can allow sin in your life. Let's trust in the Lord. Let's not trust in our own abilities. Let's not trust in our riches that we have or the things that we have or our influence or our power. Let's trust in Jesus Christ. That's the heart of the gospel. And let's communicate that gospel to those around us. Remember, it's by grace that you're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. It's not of your own works, lest any man would boast. It's a gift of God. So grace be with you, with all of you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity to to just share your words your scriptures I confess Lord that I too often tend to trust in my own things and focus on them too much and I'm sorry for that Lord I thank you that you put it on our heart to Repent, that it's a a working of the Holy Ghost, working in us to convict us of sins, that we can repent of them and turn away from them, and you continue to sanctify us, to make us holy, like you, as you've commanded. We trust you. It's, It's by your work that we are saved, not by our own. So that's where we put our faith. And that's, it's you, Lord, that we are going to stand on because you're sure and you don't move, you don't repent, you don't change. You're eternal. So that's where we're going to stand. That's where we're going to build our house. Thank you, Lord, for all the things you've given us, all the resources that you've given us and the responsibility that goes with it. We submit it to you. Help us to surrender all because it's so easy for us to walk away here and just pick it all back up again. Well, lay it back at your feet and ask for you to help us to be responsible. You need for you to help us to do what we ought to do and to give us the opportunities and the push to share the gospel with those who need to hear it. Bless this church. Bless each of us that are here. And we know you have, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.